The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, number 91, for Monday, February 12th, 2007. Greetings, folks, and welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab. I'm Dave Hamilton. You're John Braun. No, he's John Braun. You, I'm John Braun, are and I'm back. Valued listener. Yeah, we're back. That's right, John. Uh, as as many of you surmise, John's trip last week left him in a uh, less than ideal situation as far as bandwidth went. So instead of suffering through making it work over the phone, we simply took the week off, and uh, I enjoyed it. I actually really because uh, we were thinking of of all of you. Yeah. We didn't want to torture anyone. We shouldn't tell them that we were thinking of us and we just wanted to take a week off. <laughs> right? Yeah, but tonight we are back with the uh, long-awaited home networking show. Oft-promised. Oft-promised. That's right. There have been a lot of questions in, and uh, I think we, we made the right move waiting as long as we did to do it to kind of get all of the uh, – to get the gist of, of what you folks wanted to learn. So – We've got that going on here. I don't know if we're going to get to any non-home networking related questions tonight. Um, we should because, you know, we're two weeks behind on the, all those now, but I don't think that's going to happen. So so that's it. So uh, in we go. And I think we are going to start tonight with a question from Alan that, that sort of sets things up very nicely here and gives uh, gives us some context for for what we're going to talk about. And so we'll, we'll spend some time talking about the basics uh, and then peppering your questions in uh, as it, as it relates to this stuff. And, and like I said, trying to give it some, uh, some context. So Alan writes, hi, Dave and John. I hope you're both keeping well. Have a question about networking. We have a network in our house, my G5 iMac and my two housemates, PowerBook G4s, the G4s, and all the, com all the computers are connected to the network via a hub, which is also connected to the internet via a broadband modem. But our ISP in Ireland will only allow two IP addresses to connect at any one time. Now, the two guys I live with want to set up a wireless network so that they can work anywhere in the house. And we were wondering if we buy an airport express or extreme, will that allow more than two of us to connect to the Internet at once? Do we need a router? Is the airport extreme express a router? What is a router? Is it different than a hub? I'm so lost. And Alan, we are here to answer all those questions for you. So... So the answer is yes, yes. I, I believe there's a lot of there's a lot of yeses. In fact, I think they're they're all yeses. So, uh, thank you very much. Good night. Oh, wait, no, that's not that's not enough. Okay, so but it leads wonderfully into background about what the heck he's talking about yeah, because it does sound like like gibberish of sorts. But no, it's not, not after you listen to this. That's right. So, uh, so the idea is his cable company is giving him two addresses to use for uh for multiple computers now in in uh in the u.s the common practice is that your cable company will only give you one address to use for your computer uh so by default you can't connect two computers up but you can and many of you probably are already doing this and, and may or may not understand why so the idea here is uh, every computer on the internet needs an address a unique address um because otherwise other computers on the internet or on a network in general, uh, the internet is just one big network. Um, is that, is that the right thing to say, John? Is that right? Um, a big IP network. If it's a big IP network. The internet is right. a big TCP IP network. Of right. course, there are other 
protocols. But yeah, that's a uh, that's okay. safe enough. All right. So it's a it's one big network, and every computer on it needs its own address. Otherwise, the other computers don't know how to talk to you. They 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 need to have an address, and and those addresses are what's called IP addresses, and and we've all seen those. They uh, they're a set of four numbers, uh, any ranging anywhere from what the zero to two fifty five, I believe, is the uh, is mm-hmm. the, the correct range there. So. Your cable company only gives you one. There are n- a limited amount of IP addresses out there, assuming IP version 4, and we're not going to talk about IPv6 tonight. Version 6, right. Yeah. Uh, so there's a way to get around it. And uh, you want to talk about what that is and, and what the, 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 the typical uh, home networking router does? Absolutely. So the way you get around that is, is although it's true that everybody can have one address, one thing that you can do is you can set up your... Um, uh, we'll call it a you know a router. Uh, the routers can do a lot of things, but uh, anyway. So so when you get a router like a Linksys or or an Airport or something like that, what happens is that it can perform something known as network address translation. And what's happening in that case is that you're you're basically creating two sides of the device. So the one side faces the network and it does as it should. It grabs an IP address, but what Face, it does faces the internet network. Faces the, cable, the internet yes. or your your internet provider like your right. you know DSL or cable modem line. So as far as they're concerned, you have one IP address on the internet as a whole of which they're a, a gateway to that or a router, a gateway. Right. Anyways, um, so you get one IP address. Um, and, and and that address just to be clear doesn't get assigned to your computers in this scenario it gets assigned to the router the device now we could well at the very basic what you could do maybe you're hinting at this is uh, is just plug your computer in right that's right you can skip um, the whole router thing plug one computer in and you're good to go and and many people do that that's right should we warn them about why they shouldn't do that or we'll talk about that we'll later get to that at some yeah. point so if you do that your computer gets the IP address, but if you plug in something like a router, it gets the IP address, and then it has this other side that is only visible to your local computers, your local network. So right. it, it it deals with it. Even though everything's plugged into the same box, it is, inside is creating this division between the outside, which is your ISP, and the inside, which is yours. And then what it does is um, something called network address translation, and what it does is it will take one, uh, usually, an IP address that's known as a non-routable IP addresses. Uh, you have a whole range of them, uh, as Dave said, from 0000 to 255 and so on. But there are certain ranges of addresses that are meant for this purpose, that if you try to reach them on the Internet, you will not reach them because the the boxes on the Internet will just say, huh? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because they know, know how they're, to not, get meant, that's they're right. not meant to forward that type of packet. So this is kind of a, a safety valve, if you will. Right. Um, so one of the more popular ranges, for example, is 10.0.0.1, you know, for example, the whole, uh, you know, or most of the 10 range there. Um, so network t- address translation is also combined with and uh, with something called DHCP, which is dynamic host configuration protocol. Let, let, that let's, basically, let's, uh, let's, let's, let's stay with that. Yeah, yeah. So, so the so idea. Stay with Nat, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, to wrap that up is that there is a mechanism, which we'll talk about in a moment, but NAT, what it will do is keep track of the mapping between your local machines, which will each get one of these non-routable addresses. So one may be like 10.0.0.1, 10.0.0.2, and 
inside of the router, it'll keep track of each of those and how they map to the one IP address. So basically, it's multiplying the number of machines that appear to be. So as far as they're concerned, all the traffic is still coming out of one IP address. But internally, you've done this clever little thing where each machine that's a NAT machine um, right. is unique. Um, so you get around the problem of having you know, more than one machine with the same address. It's taken care of away in kind of a clever way. Right. And maybe you wanted to dig in a little deeper or... Well, it, no, just to, in, kind of in a nutshell, what, what what's happening is all the computers in your house, when you connect them to a router, are getting an, their own unique IP addresses. And then the router is combining all that traffic, sending it out as though it's only coming from the router using its lone IP address. And like John said, manage it, the router then manages the traffic on the way back in. So if you've got three computers on the network and each of them request a page from Google at the same time, they're each going to get their own page because the router is going to map that traffic in and out and, and split it up. Uh, in fact, if the router sees traffic that it doesn't, that it hasn't requested for a specific computer, it'll ignore it. And, and that acts as a little bit of security, right? If you get some unsolicited stuff coming in, the router's just going to ignore it by design, not so much for security, though that, that, like I said, that's the afterthought, but because, frankly, it doesn't know what to do with it, so it just throws it away, and, uh, and there you go. So, so that's not routing, uh, and that, that's how your routers work, and yes, the Airport Extreme, the Airport Express, any, any of the airport base stations, all the, links to, all the Linksys stuff that we talk about, Netgear, uh, D-Link, any of these you know, home networking routers are going to do exactly this. They, they are built to do it. In fact, out of the box, you plug them in, you plug you know, your airport base station into the cable modem, you connect to it with your, your Macs and, or your, and your PCs, and boom, it's doing it out of the box. Now, you may want to tweak it and, and, and mess with it, but out of the box, it is going to do all of this magic stuff that we just talked about here. In addition to that, it's going to do something that John touched upon, which is DHCP. What DHCP is, is Dynamic Host Control Protocol. You'll never need to know that again. But what it does is it allows the computers on your network to automatically get IP addresses from the router. So you don't have to go in and manually configure them. Once they attach to the network, either wired or wirelessly, they'll go and grab an address from the router. So all of this is happening magically behind the scenes. But we promised we'd explain it to you, and so here we are. So... That's yeah. uh, that's the IP address, NAT routing, and the role of the router, right? So I think that pretty much answers all, all the questions. So I think so. In a nutshell, it makes you only need to consume one IP address. Right. The reason that they were consuming more is because, and this is a subtle difference, but they said a hub. Yeah, no, hub this is, is a good thing to explain. Yeah, go ahead. Well, if we talk about how a hub works, but a hub and a switch are similar in that they allow multiple devices to all be plugged into one segment of a, of a network. Right. It basically but, multiplies the, uh, the port. Um, hubs are pretty much old school right now. A hub was back when speeds were slower, and what would happen is everybody would be sitting on the same wire all right. the time listening and watching all the traffic, and they would use a uh, you know, kind of clever protocol, binary exponential backoff, at least at the lowest layer. So what would happen is if somebody tried to talk and somebody else tried to talk, they'd be like, whoa, okay. And then they would compute a random number, and then everybody would try again. And it would increase exponentially, and it would be a, a binary increment. So you can see that you know, the chance of the people continuing to collide 
you know, lessons. The problem is it's not very efficient, especially when you get high traffic or high bit rates like gigabit and stuff. It breaks down. There, there's not a there's a point where it just gets so clogged. Whereas a switch is something that creates these little virtual circuits between everybody. So all the all the traffic is pretty much isolated between the source and the destination, except for broadcast. But we'll talk about that later. So switch is good. Hubs. I mean, I was I was looking online, and it, it's kind of hard to get a. I even searched like on Amazon, and most of the things I found were switches. Yeah, you can't buy a hub. These so days. hubs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, you may have an old one sitting around if if you have nothing else, but you know, going down to the local. Whatever store. I mean, they're they're in the grocery store now. <laughs> it, it's important to note, though, that that a hub and a switch, th though there's this difference of how fast and how efficient they are. Really, um, mm -hmm. a hub and a switch are in the same category when when being compared to a router. The router does all the smart stuff that we just talked about. A hub and or a switch does none of that stuff. And it if you plug a switch into your cable modem, like Alan did. You you'll find that only one of the computers gets an address because the hub or the switch isn't going to go and grab an address in most cases, um, and right. if it if it does, it's certainly not going to distribute it, and and you're you're stuck. And again, most switches, even even intelligent switches, aren't going to grab addresses. They they right. just don't do that. So um, and that so that that was Alan's where... problem is is you had three computers plugged into a switch, which basically just made your cable modem gave your cable modem more, more ports to plug into right. but in the end you were putting three computers on a circuit that was designed to support two or at least programmed to support two it could right. probably pro be programmed to support 200 if you wanted it to if you paid mm -hmm. them to uh and and so there was always one computer falling off the map putting the airport base station in there or or any of the other uh in that based routers that we discussed that will solve yeah. that problem so and if you're at the the uh kind of close out here if you're at the layer level and you're talking about the lower portions of tcp ip for the those that have looked at that hubs and switches are operating at a very basic level of traffic they don't have any smarts uh, the thing i want to toss in is usually you, you can hint you can get a idea whether the device does something smart if it's either called a router or i have seen managed if they say managed hover managed router uh that would tend that that would it's not going to do any know, nat routing though that's going to do traffic shaping in 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 some cases Right, or it, or it at least let you see statistics on, on yeah. your network, right? So actually, that probably doesn't go at a high enough level. Okay, no. so that's a that's no. a good point. Because I saw that term with, with some things, and sometimes it's not applied properly. Right. Because I saw it applied to things where I knew that you know they did more than that. So, right. uh, yeah. But what I, I think you you see a broadband router is is the general classification that's of device right. where it's definitely going to do. It, it's exactly meant for you to plug it in, and and you have multiple uh, machines all of a sudden. Yep. Cool. Well, that was a good, uh, good right. way to open that can of worms. That that was quite the can of worms. That was good. Um, all right, let's uh, let's talk about. You want to go into some of the details here? You want to go? You want to let Todd uh, ask his question here and 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 use that as a yet another springboard here. Todd in Atlanta, Georgia. I want to Hi, say Todd. I love your podcast. Keep up the great work. Listen, I have a question for you. I uh, bought an external uh, hard drive, uh, two hundred gigabyte hard drive that hooks up uh, to the Mac via a FireWire. And my question is, how can I reference that hard drive from another computer on my network? I know there has to be a way of doing that. I just don't know how to do it. If you don't mind, please send me the answer. Uh, I'll listen to it on a podcast even. Or you can send it to me. At nope. We're going to answer it right here. Uh, okay, so when you've got a hard drive connected mm -hmm. to one of your Macs, 
you can you can share that uh, across the network. Um, what you need to do is first you need to go into what uh, system preferences and sharing. Is that right, John? Mm-hmm. Right, and then turn on personal file sharing. And make a note of what the computer name is at the top of the sharing control panel. Oh, sorry. The sharing system preference pane. And then go over to one of your other computers that's plugged into the same network, plugged into the same mm-hmm. switch or hub or, or router, depending on how you've got things set up. And uh, and then what uh, what are we doing here? We go to go in the finder, connect to server. And at that point, the easiest thing to do is to just type in the computer name that you saw on the other computer. You can browse for it, and you may find it, you may not, depending on how the network's set up. But if you type it in and hit connect, you're good to go. Um, at that point, you type in the credentials of an administrative user. I believe it has to be an administrative user to see connected drives as opposed to just directories. So uh, type in your username and password there, and uh, the drive should appear in the list of things that you can mount on your Mac. Right? Did I miss something? <laughs> um, <laughs> I was going to say there's an even easier way to do this. All right. You click on network, and the volume shows up. In your... Uh... It's magic in the finder. Yeah. No need to, to say, you know, to, to go to the Go menu. You just double-click on the machine... When it's in the network uh, network panel, and it'll come up and ask you pretty much the same questions. So just thought I tossed okay. that Oh, in. yeah. So click on network, and then uh, depending on how your network's set up, it may just appear in network, or you might have to click on my network, uh, depending on whether you've got Windows sharing turned on on, on one of your machines. Yeah. Then, now, we had another question talking about fireware sharing. I don't know if we want to... Uh, did we? Move ahead with that one. Well, I think we did here. Which one was that? Who? Is that yeah. hold on. Uh Tim. Tim, yeah, we can read Tim's question. Sure. Mm. I think we can read Tim. Yeah, there it is. Okay, so Tim writes, uh I have a PowerBook G4 running Tiger with all updates, and I have several external firewire drives hooked up to the PowerBook for storing movies and TV shows. What I want to do is access those drives from my Windows PC I have that I have hooked to my TV. Through normal Samba, I can only see the users folder that I log into, but cannot figure out how to see the external drives. Any help is greatly appreciated. You got it? No, I don't. Because <laughs> I tried. I couldn't do it. There. Uh... How do you do it? I, I, I found no... And that's why I thought the prior question was interesting, because Apple Talk, connections via Apple Talk from another Mac shows you all the mounted drives. Right. But Samba connections don't. Samba seems to be limited, and I even tried to drag in a shortcut, and that didn't do it because it didn't know what to do to make of the shortcut. FTP doesn't work either, so I don't know. Maybe I threw you a curveball here, but I don't know of a way to do this unless you're, you're talking a third-party commercial product that can kind of figure out how to make this available via you know, either Samba or... Uh, yeah. Or FTP. Well, you could do it with FTP, um, but I believe that there is a utility called Share. No, no, no. Share menu is going for going the other way. Um, I think if you just this may be the geek challenge because I'm pretty I'm thinking because I uh, using every uh, anything except 
personal file sharing, aka AFP, yep. uh, or Apple Talk uh, over IP, I guess, uh, I couldn't find any other protocol that made uh, FireWire drives visible. Okay. I believe that you can, um, if you if you want to, via the terminal, you can edit a file called slash Etsy slash smb.conf. Uh, uh, so that's um, what, what's whatever Samba stands for, but uh, Sierra Michael mm. Bravo, right? And in there, you'll see that certain directories are shared. If you and and I don't know the format of this file, it's it's been okay. Too, it's I been found, too I long. Found, yeah, I found a lot of references here. So if you look okay. for uh, yeah, it's usually an Etsy smb.conf and yep. uh, it explains that and i'm sure you can find a mac specific one i came across I, I think i did come across but i didn't pursue yeah, it so uh, so then what, messing what, with that file but what it you would nasty do, what you would do is tell it to share uh slash volume slash whatever the name of of your drive <laughs> is and you'd add that in here in addition to user home directories and and that sort of thing uh and i believe that will uh that'll get things going Good one, but the, yeah. the default configuration, the, the even default with shortcuts only shares and all home that, directories, yeah, yeah, which is, uh, mm. yeah. So if anyone yeah. knows of if anyone knows of a utility, I I thought there was a utility to do this, but but I quickly can't find one. Uh, but I thought I thought someone had had released a utility that made it essentially automatic to edit this smb.conf. If you do mm. go and edit that smb.conf file, uh, you need to go back into sharing and then turn off Windows sharing and then turn it back on uh, to force it to reload the contents of that smb.conf file and uh, and get things going. And we'll put a link in the show notes to to the format of that smb.conf file so that you can uh, mm. you can have a starting point to go in and get that stuff. Yeah, so that was a good, uh, good pairing of... Uh questions yeah. there so what's next dave uh i believe we've got jason's bonjour dns issue but before that Ooh. i wanted to talk about our sponsor for the show bare bones and specifically yojimbo you all know that uh and i've said this before i always love it when we have a sponsor that is is advertising a product that we actually use i use yojimbo as a place to store Everything else, uh, I, I actually use it to organize the the emails and the notes for the for the Geek Gab each week. In fact, I, I keep a little file going where I, I log everything in there. It's basically a text file, this one, one thing that I keep, but I also have PDFs of all the emails that came in and uh, any pictures that, that are relevant, and I just store them in a little Mac Geek Gab folder, a little container inside Yojimbo, and it'll sync to all three of my Macs. So no matter where I am, if I say, oh, this would be great to mention on the show, I just drag it into Yojimbo. They've got this little quick quick uh, ad drawer that you can have sit on the side of your screen. You just toss something in there, and then bam, the next time I'm at whatever Mac I'm at, it's automatically synced all the way around. It uses .Mac, so you know, there's, it's, as long as your .Mac syncing is working, and you've heard me complain about that. But that's not Yojimbo's fault. Yojimbo is, like they say, a place to store everything else. You've got a place to store your email already. You've got a place to store your calendar and your to-dos. But what about all those files that are just sort of floating around, those little snippets, serial numbers, notes, PDFs of receipts, that sort of thing? Yojimbo is the place to do it. Available at barebones.com. And now we'll let Jason take it away. Hi guys, it's Jason Painter from Sydney, Australia. I've got a question for your network segment. I've got three machines, a G3 iMac, a G5, and an iBook. 
They're all connected to each other through a Linksys uh, WAG54G, which is a combined DSL modem, four-port Ethernet router, and it's wireless router too. The because I copy a lot of files to the iBook, I generally turn off AirPort on on the iBook and connect it via Ethernet. Uh, I started to do this because I noticed that there was some IP DNS resolution issues. That's all I can put it down to. Um, I don't know if it's safe to leave AirPort on if you're going to Ethernet. I, I just thought that might confuse it. Uh, I wouldn't know what your opinion is on that. The other thing is, any one of the three machines will sometimes lose its uh, bonjour address. Um, I don't know why this happens, but it means I can still see the machines via their IP address, but if I try to communicate to them with computer.local, it doesn't work. Weird thing is, after a day or so, the uh, bonjour address is again usable. So I don't know what's happening there. I'd, I'd like to know if you've got any uh, ideas about that. So thanks a lot for the show. I listen to it every week and I really enjoy it. Thanks a lot, guys. Very interesting. Uh, so the Bonjour address is the name that's listed in the top of where it says computer name in the sharing system preference pane or control panel, as I seem to like to call it this evening. Mm-hmm. Any ideas, John, on this? Why? Uh, I mean. <sighs> no. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't make sense. Uh, it uh, Unless there's something on the network competing with it. But. You yeah, know, with, with a my, similar I, name. Well, I mean, he was mentioning being concerned about sharing wireless and wired, which is a separate issue, but That's maybe a, it's related. Okay. I mean, if, if, there, be. if there are things wirelessly connecting and wreaking havoc, it could corrupt the whole, uh, you know, uh, uh, bonjour there, right? Being uh, yeah. one of these zero configuration things, kind of like Apple Talk, where everybody just kind of figures out, you know, kind of like a you know, one of these IP addresses like this 169 address when you get, which still works. Um, but, you know, of course, it's, a, you know, something that should happen here. So I don't know why they disappear like that. I, you know, I just, I just gathered that the protocol that figures out these uh, addresses, you know, just kind of does broadcasts among everybody on the network. It says, hey, you know, figure out your name and, you know, they just kind of show up. So yeah, you know, you, loss on you may one. have, you may have hit on it there. It, if it is using broadcast to do that, uh, and the router is for some reason filtering that stuff, then that is exactly, that's going to cause exactly this problem. So I would, if that starts happening, I'd power cycle the router, you know, pull the power, wait 30 seconds, plug it back in, let it wake itself up on the network, then wake up each of your computers, you know, or, or restart each of your computers so that they re-register and, and sort of, you know, rebuild that, uh, that stack that's happening there. Otherwise I'm, I'm at a loss. I, it, uh, yeah, you know, I've seen that. It shouldn't tools. happen. You're absolutely right, Jason. It, this is, you know, not the kind of thing that that uh, is normal. To, so it could be, you know, one of the pieces of networking equipment. I mean, it, it may need a, uh, you know, especially well, any of the guys that make the mass market, you know, broadband routers. There may be a firmware update. So, uh, oh, that's a good point. Whatever you're plugged into, yep. assuming it's not a piece of Apple equipment, uh, <laughs> there may be some. Something else, no, I mean, I would assume the Apple stuff would do it properly, but if you have a third-party thing, it may be, you know, very specific to, uh, 
uh, you know, some of these, you know, self-configuring kind of name discovery protocols. So, yeah, yeah that was a tough one. Well, it, yeah, it, it's it an is easy interesting. One. Where's an easy one? Um, well, I want to answer Jason's. <laughs> he asked a, a, a little question in the middle there, which is, you know, should I have airport and Ethernet turned on at the same time? Oh. And uh. and that's an interesting question. And it's actually something uh, that I do quite a bit with here because my power, my power book, my MacBook Pro is uh is a year old and i'm still calling it a power book in addition to that it, it's also connected to my network both ways uh at different times if i've got airport what i do is in the network control panel i uh why do i keep calling it control panel we're just we're just going to call it that in You're the just network going back to a, a kinder gentler time or something <laughs> i don't know in the uh in the network system preferences pane you can if you go to your location and then click on the show button or the show menu. Normally it's sitting on network status. If you go down to network port configurations, you'll see all of the ports listed that your computer can connect to. And you can turn them on and off with the checkboxes. That's an obvious thing. What's not obvious is that you can drag these ports around and prioritize them. <coughs> right? Yes. So so what I do is I have Ethernet be the priority and I drag that to the top of the list and then airport's second and then dial up is third and and the VPN I've got a little VPN thing set up is is last, right? Now, depending on what I'm doing, I may move the VPN to the top, whatever. For right now, uh, you know, with Ethernet being at the top, even if airport's connected, even if it has the same IP address, I actually manually assign the same IP address to both Ethernet and airport so that transfers don't stop. Everything's the same. I can always address the computer no matter how it's connected. And as soon as I plug in that Ethernet cable, even though airport's connected to the router via, you know, via the wireless connection, it does not send mm. any traffic over airport because ethernet is prioritized and this is a unix thing it it's just apple's way of of managing that that process and it's great so that's one thing you may want to check on if you do have multiple interfaces that are you know active at different times is go in there and and just drag them around and and you know in most cases you probably want your hardwired connection to take priority over your wireless connection but but there may be instances mm -hmm. where you don't so uh so that's the uh, now, that's our story yeah. The thing I want to try someday, I haven't really looked at this, but have you looked at the internet sharing part of um sharing? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't I haven't really because I probably don't have the right setup, but that that right. looks like something we may want to explore yeah. at some point in the future. Well, it, it's actually it's actually worth talking about because what that does is if you've got air airport in a computer and ether obviously ethernet in the computer if you've got your cable modem connected directly to your computer with ethernet so your cable modem your computer is getting the ip address there is no router in the way mm. if you turn on uh internet sharing here you can share the cable modem connection via your computer and you turn what happens is you're turning your mac into a nat router and then all these other clients can connect via airport to your mac and share your internet connection the only caveat is you've got to leave that computer on in order for all the other computers to connect. And right. you can do this with not just an Ethernet hardwired connection, but if you've got a dial-up connection, you can share that mm -hmm. over airport too. And I've done it. Of course, it's not fast with dial-up, but, uh, but you know, it works. So. so then I would think in that case, while well, the tab right next to it, firewall, you better have that on. That's it. That's a good point. Directly connecting. <laughs> yeah. 
if you're connecting, otherwise yeah. you you are going to be. Uh, and I've I've done this. You may have done this too, but you know, just get a a new computer and plug it in, and just get a, a you know any sort of intrusion detection uh, equipment or uh, something that logs incoming attempts. You, okay. You'll just be be amazed at all the people that <laughs> are are eager to speak with you over yeah. any port available. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, most yeah, of the why it's, most it's of the attacks nice are Windows have. stuff, right? Yeah, but still, I mean, I I've set it up where I would just have you know both Apple and Windows ports, and there are p- people looking for Apple Talk over IP because oh, yeah, I guess you can so. do why that. Not? Technically, yeah. you can, but it's such a relatively small target, which uh, actually leads to a little. Uh, I'll take a little 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 sideline here. Uh, but one of a sideline from the sideline. Yeah, but one of the guys I spoke to at the conference I went to the RSA conference, which is about uh, you know security professionals. Yeah. One of the guys at uh, McAfee, and uh, you know the thing is, you and I, I, I think our position is that the Mac is relatively less prone to all these nasty things like malware and stuff like that. Right, right. But he was like, and actually, he's going to be starting a podcast too. And I, I said, cool. you, know, you should really talk about this aspect. But the Mac is not immune; it's less of a target, which is why it, it just sure. brought up this thought. But you know, don't be deluded that you could just plug your Mac into the internet with no protection and you're going to be fine because you know there, there's a lot of bad stuff out there. At least that's that's my position. If you want to try it, you know, let us know if you plugged your Mac right into your <laughs> cable modem or whatever, and you think you're not infected with something. Well, well, what would okay. they be infected with? Well, I'm thinking some of the more Unix-specific attacks because uh, you know Apple is based on you know the OpenBSD core, and sure. every now and then they have uh, they have exploits that are you know fixed with that. So just that in and of itself. So I would say you know yeah, don't go with a firewall down. Maybe you know. <laughs> yeah, although be... although out of the box, if you are in fact doing that out of the box, all the mm. services that would would be attackable are turned off on that machine, right? I mean, you don't have the, even uh, personal file sharing is disabled remote login is certainly disabled remote desktop is disabled so none of that stuff is is open if you were to just plug a, mm-hmm. an out of the box mac into the internet I, I would actually argue that you're fine it's mm-hmm. it's when you start turning on the, those services that let other people in at that yes. point you'd probably want to turn on the firewall uh and manage things so okay. that only the right people can get in but i, I think out of the box because... you're safe I, I really do so I say, yeah, okay, I'm with you. Out of the box without doing any sort, especially, you know, file sharing or, yeah. uh, you know, SSH or FTP and stuff like that. Right. Because they're, they're still finding, um, and, you know, it's still one of the most common bugs here is the dreaded buffer overflow, which oh, if yeah. you're a C programmer especially, though it's not unique to C, you can buffer overflow in any <laughs> Lots of languages. It, PHP can do it too, yep. Even Java. That's Ooh. right. Yeah, absolutely. I'll have the Java people shake their fists at me saying that's not possible. But Have you seen it? Yeah. It's possible. <laughs> you, you can destroy things in any language. It's there you go. harder in some than others. <laughs> Anyways, moving right along. All right. You want to go back to Joe's? Uh, let's, let's see what Joe has to say here about it, print servers. Hey, John and Dave. Joe here from Raleigh again. We're just listening to part two of your MacCast 88, I think it was. Mac, <laughs> Mac Geek Gab. Adam does uh, a fine job too. And uh, you, there was a question the lady had about setting up, uh, you know, home networking and stuff. And one one topic that uh, possibly might be of interest to folks along that line is, you know, the difference between routers and switches and 
and hubs and how you set your network addressing and and uh, safety that you turn on for for wireless, all this kind of stuff. I know you guys already know anyway, but one, but one part that is is trickier for for some is how one would set up a print server, which is one real advantage of you know a whole networking scheme. If if you buy one you know semi expensive laser printer, how do you share that with everybody else in the house, including Windows clients? Uh, and it's it you know that's a little trickier than some because you can have to set a fixed address below the dynamically assigned addresses for it to work right uh, and those type of things. So that, that is not always clearly stated and done with, with uh, instructions that come with these things, and, and that would something be possibly quite interesting to the uh, listeners. Anyway, have a good day, and uh, we'll listen to you soon. Hey, John. Hey, Dave. Mm-hmm. My name is Brian from Central Pennsylvania, longtime listener, and I love the podcast. I'm really enjoying all the Mac tips. I uh, just got myself a refurbished MacBook uh, Core Duo, and I got to say, I love it. I'm thrilled with the whole two-processor thing. It's just really zippy. Uh, in fact, I was able to get a friend to uh, switch over from PC to Mac, so... Score for me. Score for your friend. Uh, my question is, and I hope you can get to this before you do the networking show. Uh, I have a wireless network at home running a Netgear router. Um, my wife has an iBook, and I also have the, the MacBook. Um, so we're running two wireless uh, notebooks off of the, the same internet connection. and That's going really well, but what I wanted to do is stick... Um, maybe a draw, definitely a printer, a USB printer, and possibly like a network attached drive. Uh, I was wondering what you would think would be the best way to do that. Uh, I know with the new Airport Extremes, they have the USB port, and I think you can plug a hub up to them. I uh, didn't know if you had any suggestions as to uh, wireless print servers or if I should just go with the Airport. Uh, thanks. Uh, I won't leave my email and audio comment because that always gets cut off. Uh, talk to you guys later. <laughs> Keep up the good work. <laughs> All right. So, uh. yeah. So, network printing. There's a couple ways to do it. Uh, there's the way that Joe kind of alluded to, which is connecting it to your computer. Uh, and then there's the way that Brian alluded to, <laughs> uh, connecting it to the, the network directly, if you will, or or at least to one of the routers on the network so let's talk about yeah let's talk about joe's uh, solution first here because if you don't have an apple airport base station or don't have one that has this capability and you do want to share a printer you're stuck doing it by connecting directly to a mac so uh and is this what you do john or do you you do the other route i have um my uh, laser printer plugged into my linksys wireless Hub deal. Okay. All right. So your 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 laser printer actually has network capability built into it, right? So it's an IP printer, yeah, and okay. what I do is I do it as a uh, you know LPD right right uh, type printer. So, which... so your printer is sharing itself over the network. So the printer, when it's on, has unique IP address, and then anybody um, who runs uh, the uh, uh, print you to print setup utility, which Just is the utilities it. folder. Yeah. Um, when you say add, you then say add IP printer, and 
the protocol, you know, comes up with a few of them, and the protocol you want to use is LPD, which right. is a default, and then you put in the IP address of the printer, which mine, I was able to set through the printer's interface, um, and then the queue is default, and that's pretty much it. So I've used that quite frequently both at home and at work, is if you have a printer that you can assign an IP address on the network somewhere, um, you know, OS X and Windows both have uh, support for that, so that's a good solution, especially for mixed environments. Yep, I think though it gets a bit technical because it it doesn't show up like well, some other types of printers, and it's not cheap, right? I mean, it, it you, well, you probably get an older laser printer if it's not showing up. It, most networkable laser printers these days, if they come with networking built in, will have Bonjour support uh, right in them, and they'll just pop right. Well, actually, in the, in yeah, the mine there. has both. IP and um, Apple Talk. So there you go. Okay. So actually, so some programs they have use Apple Talk, but uh, especially for the Windows machines, they, right. of course, uh, Windows, and, and I found this actually researching another question Windows doesn't really understand Apple Talk anymore. Right. Especially XP. There's nothing built in anymore. Right. Okay. So that, so, so the solution John's talking about is if your printer itself supports networking directly, you, your printer probably has an Ethernet port on it and you're just plugging straight in. Um, that works great, but it's not cheap. You you need to buy a printer that that's got network capability, and often that that can add you know between one and mm. three hundred bucks to the price. Mm. If you if you're buying an inkjet printer, more often than not, it's not going to have any network capability. It's going to have a USB port on it, and that's it. So you, you're stuck connecting it. You you it it needs something to talk to the network on its behalf, and. Uh, and so you can you can do that one of two ways. Like like Joe said, you can connect it to your Mac. What you need to do at that point is go into the printer setup utility and choose to share that printer. Once you've done that, uh, if you turn on Windows sharing, Windows clients should see it automatically. Uh, as mm -hmm. you browse in through, you'll browse to the computer, and then when you connect to the computer, if you've got uh, your... Um, your home directory shared, that'll appear, and then also the printer will appear. Trick, of course, is that you've then got to go install the drivers on the Windows machine for that particular printer because the Mac, of course, can't share them. But Macs and Windows alike, Windows machines alike, should see printers that are shared that way. Again, you need to go into the printer setup utility, mm -hmm. share the printer, and then also make sure that you've got personal file sharing as well as Windows file sharing enabled in the, uh, in the sharing system preferences. I'm not, I guess it's called Windows Sharing, not Windows File Sharing. The other way to do it is uh, later model airport base stations. Um, and I'm not sure, does the Airport Express have a USB port for a printer? I think yes. it does. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It does. So, so they, they allow you to connect the printer via USB to the, the base station. And then the base station takes care of sharing the printer for you. Again, it's, it, you're not connecting the printer to the network, you're connecting it to the base station. The base station is acting as the print server and managing mm -hmm. that process on the network for you. If you have a base station, uh, go ahead. Yet another thing, because right. I'll talk about the other part of my setup here. So I have an old, old, thank you, HP, but uh, yeah. um, <laughs> HP uh, 990CSE inkjet. Yep. Perfect. And they also were nice enough to provide a WP100 yep. wireless print server. This is a box from HP, and uh, I'm sure every you know print inkjet printer vendor has this. This box has a parallel port, and this printer has a parallel cable. It basically plugs into it, but the box itself is basically a 802.11 access point. 
Okay. So it connects. So so that's another option is that there are wireless print servers. Ah. Like this device. So one end plugs physically into the printer. The other end is registered on my wireless network um, because you actually plug in to this through a configuration utility. You give it the name of your base station and the channel and the encryption and all that great stuff. And then it appears as an Apple Talk device on my network, this particular one. That's you cool. You can set it up for IP also. So... That's neat because so, – so another option for folks that want to share printers is look at your printer vendor. They probably have a wireless access point. And, of course, if you have a you know wireless Leaksys or airport or whatever, uh, unless your airport like you know the Express already has the port, then that's a very cool way of – and especially I would think in – you know, corporate or educational settings yep. where you got to wheel a printer around and you you know you're probably near a wireless access point. That's a very very cool solution. Of course, this one just kind of sits here, but sure. <laughs> uh, it it's worth noting that most of these wireless and wired uh, print servers uh, will work with multiple brands of printer. It, if you buy an HP, you know, JetDirect box, hmm. it it's chances are it's going to work with just about any printer you plug into it. Um, it will share the services, and then, of course, you need to load the right drivers on your Mac. I have a, a Lexmark laser printer here that, mm. um, what was it, I guess about, uh, what, a year and a half ago, I had all those weird problems with the uh, hubs thing and things blowing up because of the, the lightning and things weren't protected quite right. We mm. moved into the house here, and one of the things that blew up was the network card inside of my uh, Lexmark laser printer. Now, this is a really nice laser printer. I had no intention of replacing it, but... It couldn't talk to my computers anymore. So what I did is I just happened because of a job I did years ago and a client uh, thing. I had an extra HP JetDirect box. And so uh, this one was wired. So I plugged the Ethernet cable into the JetDirect box. I pulled it out of the printer, plugged it into the JetDirect box, plugged the JetDirect box into the printer's USB port. And mm -hmm. it, it shares that Lexmark printer just fine. It uh, <laughs> no problem at all. So well, hats off to standards. That's right. And that, that's exactly right. Standard. Yeah, that's exactly right. So, okay. Uh, I, I think we've, uh, we've pretty much hit the, uh, hit the limit there. Is there, is there anything else you have, uh, that you wanted to mention there, John? No, I think we, uh, I think we covered it. I think we bring the band in then. Uh, got a, hopefully a pretty good, uh, intro to networking there for those that don't like to network. <laughs> or can't or won't. Of course, please send in your questions to MacGeekGab at MacObserver.com. You can call us. 206-666-GEEK. Right. That's 4335. Uh, let's see. You can also Skype them to MacGeekGab. And uh, we will pepper these questions in with uh, our show next week. We'll be back to our normal routine where we're just answering questions and we'll have a couple of themes going i'm sure the next uh the next featured show uh, mm. and we don't know when that will be but i've got this idea john so uh so i figured i'd share this with you now recently i've been keeping track of all the little things that i do on my mac to keep it clean and keep it running smooth mm. and and all of that stuff so i think uh if we if we take about uh, you know another three maybe three to five weeks here and just kind of let that stuff build up, we can do a show next month on uh, on keeping your Mac clean. You know, I don't know, man. What do you what do you like eat around your computer? Or I do. Drink yeah, you, or yeah. around it. Yeah. That's right. That's exactly right. Yeah. That's How what we... I do. <laughs> 
Uh, but no, we're talking about all the cruff that will accumulate on your computer as you find all these wonderful new toys that we tell you about. And how do you get rid of them? That's right. Your yep. system gets clogged. Bogged down. Uh, yep. And so I we're, even we're gonna get, I hmm. even optimized my Mac as uh, an exercise in what to and not to do and whether or not it makes a difference. I took that plunge for all of you. So we will share the results of that wow. and more. Yep, that's right. Did you optimize your drive? I did. Wow. Yeah. And you cleaned out all the cruft with uh, various I cl- I cleaned the cruft first, and then I optimized. And uh, Did you measure the before and after? You know, I did. Kind of quantitative uh, yeah. data here? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So we so, can talk about that. You want to vote? We can vote on Podcast Alley. Yeah, or iTunes, or... Yeah. Know. Review the show on iTunes. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to mention, it, it, we've had this weird thing, you know, I, iTunes broke their the whole uh, mono podcast with EQ thing, right? If you have EQ on, on your iPod, and the podcast, you're, or the file you're playing is mono, it will crash your iPod. So, of course, we went to stereo at that point, and we figured, well... If we're going to go to stereo, we might as well pan ourselves left and right. There's a weird thing with this Mackie Onyx 1220 board, and I'm not sure why, but uh, visually panning our our individual channels does not seem to relate quite the same uh, as to what you would expect to hear audibly. So uh, we're trying to get that right, but uh, as some of you have mentioned, John sometimes feels like he's in your glove box, and we're doing our best to avoid that. So I think this week I... If anyone's in the glove box, glove I would box. be. Yeah, but hopefully neither one. I don't want to be in your glove box. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's what it. Else? Let's go. We're done. Cashfly Hosting is where you've downloaded this podcast. The podcast marketplace, uh, six i isolator earphones from Metamotic, the A5 desktop speakers from Audio Engine, TeachMac from TeachMac.com, and Yojimbo, of course, from BareBones.com. Backbeat Media Podcast Network. Yeah, so I was in California, but you know why I'm back? Why are you back? Because I didn't get caught. You know, if you are going to get caught, the best people to get caught by would be the police. Did you see that they reunited today? They're touring this summer. And if any, if anybody knows the secret code to pre-buy tickets for the Fenway Park show this week... If you're a Fenway, Best Buy member, yeah, dude. So if you know that code, please send Ellis. it to me because I want to buy those tickets. So, uh, yeah, don't oh. get caught. Made up.